Hi, I'm Brandon Poe, founder of Poe Group Advisors and creator of the Accounting Practice Academy. You are listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan Podcast, where we talk about stuff in the accounting world. If you're looking to buy or sell a practice, we are the premier accounting practice intermediary firm in the industry. Check us out at pogroupadvisors.com. If you're a firm owner looking to build a more profitable practice while actually reducing owner hours, sign up for our practice management workshop, which only runs a few times per year. Learn more at accountingpracticeacademy.com. All right. Welcome to the Accountant's Flight Plan podcast. We're glad you joined us. We're here today with Mark Goldman. Uh, Mark, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Um, Mark is the founder. Yeah, it's a... it's great to have you on, and um, we've never had a recruiter on the podcast before. And uh, so, let me just tell you a little bit about Mark. He's the founder of MGR Accounting Recruiters in San Antonio, Texas. Um, he's they specialize in uh, recruiting. It's a company run by accountants for accountants. Um, he's also the host of the Accountants Careers podcast, where accountants go. Um, and I was looking at your bio, um, a couple of things jumped out at me. You were the, um, you were on the board, uh, for the Texas Society of CPAs, which is great. Um, you are a CPA and, um, you married your high school sweetheart and I did too. Carol, who works with, with our, with Poe Group Advisors, we were high school sweethearts. So that's kind of cool. We don't run into too many people that did that or crazy enough to do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, welcome. Um, I'd like to start just, you know, I, I, I know I kind of gave the bio, but if we go back like even farther, what made you choose accounting as a career? Sure. You know, actually, thank you for asking, because that, honestly, that's, that's a fun part of the story to tell. My father was a CPA, um, and interestingly enough, he, he didn't plan it that way, and, and his, he happened upon the career, but um, by the time I was in middle school and high school, he had his own practice, and so I started off as very cheap labor for him <laughs> in middle school and high school, <laughs> and um, you know, honestly, at the time, I don't think I really appreciated it to the extent that I should have, but it, it gave me a great start on the career path. And, and um, I, I really think it led me to, to have sort of a natural inclination for accounting. And, um, you know, consequently, I passed the CPA exam fairly easy. I mean, nothing's easy, right? But I, I, I didn't study as much as I probably should have and, and still passed. And so that's, that's how I got started. Yeah, my, my father was a CPA and it was just sort of the, the natural choice for me. So at what point did you go, huh, I think, I think recruiting might be the angle I want to um, pursue. What, what, what brought that on? Sure. So I, I worked for my, my father for a couple of years, you know, got my certificate. Um, and then, you know, just like a lot of uh, individuals do earlier in their career, I wanted to go see the bigger world, right? So I, I decided I was going to leave his practice and uh, he was nowhere near retirement at that time. And um, I, I wanted to go do something different. And I got in a job um, that was, it was related to the SNL failures. It was some cleanup work. Mm. Uh, and honestly, I 
hated that work. It was, it was so monotonous or I just, I didn't really enjoy it. And so I went looking for a new job, ended up in a recruiter's office. And um, about a month later, they called and they said, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about hiring someone like you to be a recruiter. You know, do you want to talk? And, and at the time, I didn't have much to lose. I figured, shoot, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, that was over 20 years ago now, actually well over 20 years ago now. And it's just, it really just worked out as a career. I love what I do. That's awesome. Well, and, and right when uh, we got on this call before we started recording, I noticed your tie. And uh, tell me, tell me <laughs> about the tie. It's, it's uh, some people are listening, they can't see it, but the people who are watching can see that. Let's, let's have a look at that. A little hold it. Hold, yeah, there you go. Hold it up to the camera. The spear is yeah, like a spear so. in his hand. Yeah. Yes. Cool. He's, he's supposed to be a headhunter. He's a uh, headhunter. Yes, so. headhunter. Yep. <laughs> the sperm um, that all recruiters love, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've written a couple books, and uh, one of them is called 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter. And uh-huh. that was, uh, my graphics artist, you know, took a shot at, at drawing a, a friendly looking headhunter. And of course he has a tie on as well. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the character on the front of my book and, and I had it made into a tie. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, what a great, nice. Thank nice, you for asking. Nice piece, One yeah. of my favorites. Um, all right. So if you're um, talking to someone who's thinking about hiring a high level person or, or maybe a starting person that, that they want to be a successor of their firm. So if somebody's looking for a successor, what advice would you give them? Okay. Like in a, a small accounting firm, sole proprietorship or a few partners, that kind of yes. situation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, actually I, I see that quite a bit. Um, we, we end up in a lot of those conversations, particularly in the last five years or so. And um, I, I think, first of all, start early. <laughs> you, know, you, you need to start you know, before, um, before whatever D-Day is for you or, or R-Day, retirement day is for you, you need to start early. Um, secondly, just because sadly, I know with some firms, there's a little trial and error. I, I think maybe not putting all your eggs in one basket. And what I mean by that is if, if at all possible, you know, hire a couple people with that thought in mind. You know, worst case is you end up with no one. Um, but then maybe second worst case is you end up with two, you know, that, that are both, you know, interested and qualified and, and, you know, they end up being partners or something like that. So, um, and, then, and then really, I think the biggest piece of advice and, and one of the biggest mistakes I, I see in the marketplace is, that you know, an individual that's thinking about retiring will, will bring a person in with the idea of them being a successor, but they won't really commit to a time period or a process mm-hmm. or how that's going to take place. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen this. They know they want to retire, but you, know, you ask them this year and it's, well, it's five years from now. And next year, guess what? It's five years from now. Yep. <laughs> and, and that goes on. And you know, you're, you're your professional in their, their 30s or 40s is only going to put up with that answer so many times before they go find somewhere else that has partnership potential. And yeah. by the way, almost every accounting firm these days has partnership potential. Yeah. So, yeah, putting... Yeah, yeah you can't dangle that carrot forever, right? That, that carrot can't be out there oh. forever. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I see. I see that, you know, um, and sometimes people will, one of the mistakes that I see is they bring someone in to groom and then they give them a really small ownership percentage and they're giving them that little percentage in order to kind of almost handcuff them to the practice. And then, but what they don't realize is that um, if for some reason that successor isn't an ideal fit or is unwilling to, you know, get, go through with the deal as negotiated, then they're bound to that person, whether they want to be bound to that person or not. So it's, it's really something that um, I've, it can be problematic. So I think hiring multiple people and not making too many promises, but, but the timing, I see what your point is. I mean, the timing is, um, is really crucial. And it's one of the hardest decisions I think people who are exiting have is when to exit. Um, yes. So interesting. Um, now, I guess you do a lot of placement for public practice. Um, what are some of the main challenges you see with recruiting for, for public accounting? Sure. Uh, and actually, we, we do just as much placement in industry as well, you know, because there's a lot of industry out there. But, but yes, I'm, I'm fortunate that, that we have a, a good share of the of the public placement market. Um, yeah, the, the challenge is uh, it's, it's the industry itself in a lot of ways, right? Um, we have the compressed tax seasons, uh, well, compressed busy seasons just, just overall. Um, and then, you know, that leads to, to overtime situations. I, I think the, the firms that, that best manage their recruiting efforts are, are the ones that best manage you know, their scheduling <laughs> and uh, their overtime situation. Yeah. That's, that's typically the, the biggest challenge. Um, and, it, and it sort of feeds on itself because if, if you have a firm that is not able to manage that, that work-life balance issue and enough people leave, well, then that just makes it more difficult for the ones that, that don't leave, right? And so it's, it's sort of a, a circular uh, issue. But yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, you know, becoming a CPA, that, that unfortunately in the marketplace is, is a little bit of a challenge now as well. We seem mm. to have less individuals um, uh, going through that pipeline or, or at least they're taking longer to go through the pipeline than they used to. Um, I, I'm, I don't want to get on a soapbox about this, but I wonder sometimes if the way the CPA exam is structured, you know, you can take it anytime you want. I think maybe that works against us a little bit. It's very convenient. However, um, you know, in, in the old days, you had twice a year where, when you could take the exam. So you better get ready, you know, and, and now if you want to put it off, you can put it off. And, and I think that works against some individuals, which, you know, hurts public accounting hiring as well. Interesting. I've never heard that observation before, but I bet you're right. Cause when I was coming up, it was twice a year and you took, you know, they had all the exam prep ready for, you know, kind of timed for that. And yes. Um, so, well, um, how, how, you know, how does someone attract good talent? Like what, a, you know, you've got the compression issue. Um, how, how do people attract talent to their firms? You know, I think, 
from my observations, the, the firms that do the best job with having a, a consistent pipeline of talent or talent when they need it um, are the ones that have defined their culture well and they're, they're, they're in touch with what their culture is and then they hire, uh, well, excuse me, they promote that culture in the marketplace, all right? And then, and then they hire to it well. Now, and, and just to be real clear, it doesn't necessarily mean that your culture has to be, you know, 35 hours a week and, and we have a, a happy hour every other day and, and, you know, there's a game room and, and that's great if it, if it works for you. But, you know, some, some firms are, are very successful with, with a hard driving culture, but they're open about that. And, and then therefore they attract the people that are looking you know, for, for that kind of thing. So I, I think just, just defining your culture very well and, and being honest with yourself about what that is and then hiring to it. it those, those tend to be, firms that do that tend to be the most successful in, in being able to get the talent, but then also being able to retain the talent. <laughs> yeah, that that's makes the sense. part of the, the formula. Well, and that churn is really expensive and difficult for everybody, right? The, just the turnover, low turnover. Um, I, I'd love to see, and maybe you've seen statistics on firms that have lower turnover versus higher turnover and just their growth rate and profitability and all of those things. I would imagine it's a big component of that. I mean, I haven't in particular, but I know just being a business owner myself that yes, it, you know, having a, a stable, talented team makes a huge difference yeah. um, in, in how well your, your business operates in, in any business. Yeah. Yeah. But bad hires are really expensive and painful. And I think as a business owner, if you've been around for a while, you've experienced a bad hire and it's just not, it's not pleasant. Um, yeah. You know. Yes. Um, so if, if you were, um, you know, if you're an accountant and you're looking at the job market into the future, what do you see? What do you see the future job market looking like? Overall, you know, accounting is a resilient industry. I mean, even, even in these, you know, coronavirus COVID times we've been going through, uh, the, the accounting you know, professionals have still continued to be busy. I, I'm sure, I know there have been, you know, some layoffs. Um, I know there's been a little contraction. I know there's been, you know, pay cuts that have been reported, but, but in general, accountants are still, are still pretty busy uh, across the marketplace. I think from the public accounting, because I, you know, I understand the business you're in as well. So to address the public accounting side, honestly, I continue, I see that continuing to be a, a high demand, you know, low supply area because we've got a couple things working, um, working for us or against us, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But uh, we have the the demographics, right? We have um, the millennial generation is, is supposed to be a similar size to the boomer generation. However, not as many necessarily are going through the CPA pipeline, and so so you still have a. a you know, contraction going through the pipeline there. Um, and then secondly, overall, just, just there again, uh, people pursuing the CPA exam and, and be, becoming a CPA. 
um, there's, you know, there has been a, a shortage of that in, in recent years. And, and I think that's, you know, likely, likely going to continue for a while. It keeps the demand high for CPAs, you know, which is, I guess, good for, for those of us in that market. But I, I see, I see the, the demand and the, the marketplace still being strong. Um, yeah, and, I, and I think what we've went through recently is proof of that. Yeah. Do you see an overall trend that salaries in public accounting for CPAs is, is on the rise? Is it, has it gone up substantially in the past five-ish years or so? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually, the, the salaries have been very healthy um, in accounting overall, frankly, and, and particularly for individuals with, certifi with certifications. Right. Um, but yes, yes, that, and I, you know, obviously if the economy slows down, that'll peter off a little bit, but I don't think we're going to lose ground. You know, just the, the growth in salaries may slow a little bit, but I, I honestly, I still think it'll, it'll continue to, to move up just maybe at a slightly slower rate. Yeah. yeah we, we hear, um, you know, we have accounting practice Academy where we coach owners of CPA firms. And one of the biggest obstacles we hear from owners about growth is just finding really good talent that can handle the work that they need. So, and it's, it's, it, you know, seems to be a pretty universal problem is just finding good solid talent. Um, yeah. If you don't, if you don't mind me adding to that, uh, one of the comments we're hearing a lot from firms, we, the phone calls we get are, you know, so, so tell me what's going on out there. I assume there are some, some good people looking and, you know, there have been, at least in my area, I'm in South Texas, you know, there have been selective layoffs in public accounting, but it's it, what we're seeing is it's your, it's your one year people, one and a half year people, not certified where, you know, the firm was hiring for growth. And, and now they're being a little more conservative. We're not seeing experienced seniors getting let go or laid off or managers. Uh, those individuals are still very, you know, very much valued. And so um, the thought process that, you know, if I wait a few months or, you know, there's probably gonna be some great talent looking, they may be, they may be open to opportunity, but they're not gonna be unemployed. You know, right. your, your experience, CPAs are still going to be, you know, very much gainfully employed. Yeah. So if, if, if you're talking to an accountant that's thinking about starting their own firm, what would, what would you tell them? What advice would you give someone? Thank you for asking me this. Cause I, I know that's a little, uh, you know, outside of the employment market, but I have that conversation a lot with, with people when I'm talking to them about their career and where they want to go with it. And, and seriously, the, the first piece of advice I always give is, and I've learned this myself, you know, owning my own business, um, be prepared to only actually work on the work 50% of the time at most. So, and what I mean by that is if you're a tax accountant, only dedicate 50% of your time to doing taxes because you're going to need that other 50% or more to find the work, you know, do all the business development and networking activity. And then of course, a little bit of it for the, the general administration of running a business. But too frequently, I find that individuals 
let's say just to make the math easy, let's say they make a hundred thousand a year. And so they think, well, I'm going to go out and all I need to do is bill $50 an hour mm. to make a hundred thousand a year on my own. And that's not the case. You know, business expenses aside, you just can't bill a hundred percent of your time and also find work, you right. know? And it, even if you do have a client that will take up that much of your time, beware because, you know, if you lose that one client, you know, you have a serious problem. So that's the biggest piece of advice I give is don't plan to actually do the work more than 50% of the time, even when you're starting. Yeah, that's you, a great- You need to structure your- No, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. I was just going to no, no, just to finish the thought, you, you need to structure your billing so that you only need to do the work 50% of the time so you can, you know, manage the, the business elsewhere. Yeah, that's great advice. I've never had anyone, I've never heard that before to, to, to think about half of your time, um, but that's great advice. I, I can see that ringing true for sure. Um, Thank you. So um, we're kind of, nearing some of the questions I like to ask at the end of all of our podcast guests. So um, I'm going to kind of just give you a, a rapid fire few questions as we wrap up. Um, if you were to recommend one book to our listeners, what would that be? Uh, the E-Myth. Yeah. Someone gave me that when I was starting my, my first business. And actually, I think it's called The E-Myth Revisited but it just does a great job of defining the difference between being a technician and owning a business in that same field. Michael Gerber, right? That's, um, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Gerber, like, like the baby food. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I bet you run into a lot of, I guess, candidates that, you know, play with the idea of, do I want to start my own business or do I want to work for someone else? So, Sounds like you've had a lot of those conversations before. Yes. You know, and, and honestly, I, I feel that for some people, it's a great solution. It's a great idea. Um, but I like those conversations because it's not, it's not the right idea for everybody. As you know, it takes a lot of work to own your business and get it started. And, and there are some days it's wonderful. And there are some days that you just wish you had a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's, um, and I see that on the buyer side, um, you know, we, we tend to see buyers who go out and are willing to purchase and take the risk to buy a practice. They do have that entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, um, they're just not cut out to work for someone. I do think some people are cut out for it and some aren't for sure. Um, yes. So, so, um, What's one little bit of advice or guidance or life lesson you could share with our listeners um, that's been good for you? One little piece of advice. Yeah, just like a life lesson, just something that has helped you in business or, or in life and balance. Well, so in business, in business, um, actually, we were just hitting on this a little bit. I'll tell you, I guess one of the best things that I've done to, to help in our own business was to get a coach. Um, I happened by accident, or I, I tend to, I believe it's a blessing, um, come across a business coach. And, and I, was, I was very cynical about that kind of thing. Uh, before 
it was like my second year in business. I came across a business coach. And, and when I thought of the term coach, I either thought of, uh, you know, the, you know, sports, of course, or a life coach. And, and I didn't have a very high opinion of that, to be perfectly honest. But um, I, I, it was the right time. I engaged that business coach and it did wonders uh, for, for our business. Um, subsequently, you know, moved on and later on ended up working with a different business coach for over six years. Just there again, made great strides in our business. And I'm part of a peer group now. Um, I, I'm a big believer in once, if you're going to own your own thing, you need someone who you can at least, you know, have difficult, you know, confidential conversations with. And most of us need someone to hold us a little accountable too yep. as well. So get a, get a coach. I mean, yep. that, that is something that's made a difference. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, well, what's the best way for people to follow and connect with you, Mark? Um, I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't remember if we mentioned this or not, but I do have my own podcast as well. It's called Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. Uh, consequently, I do a lot on LinkedIn, and I'm very findable there. Just look uh, for Mark Goldman, CPA. I respond to all all messages through LinkedIn. And of course, you can email me as well. It's first initial, last name, mgoldman at mgrar.com. Stands for MGR Accounting Recruiters, mgrar.com. Uh, and, and frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the phone as well. 210-826-8000. Uh, awesome. And we'll publish that on our blog post. So uh, we'll have all okay. of that written out on the post. So, uh, Mark, thank you. This was very enlightening and uh, so glad to have the perspective of a seasoned recruiter on our podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Thank you yeah. very much. Thanks for listening to the Accountant's Flight Plan Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please follow us so that you can get updates when new episodes are released and share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can also follow Poe Group Advisors on social media. Please visit our website for more information at pogroupadvisors.com.